0: God, we just come from all different places and we're in different uh, spots with you. God, wherever we're at, God, I pray that you would take us three steps further into you, into your purposes, into who you've called us to be, into the time that we're in, that God, you would wake us up, take the veil off of our eyes, and may we be your people in this generation. God, I pray that you would clear off our lenses this morning, clear off our hearts and our minds to be set on you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to start. So again, the question, what is God's call on this generation? We're going to kind of camp out in this, uh, this set of verses in Philippians. Philippians 2, and we'll get going right there. Philippians 2, Paul said this to the church of Philippi. says, "'It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or complaining.'" That you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run or labor in vain. Man, what a what a strong set of verses there that Paul gives us in Philippians. We live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's not only an apt description of our time in history, it suits all of history. Every generation is to some degree or another the manifestation of the crookedness and the perversity of the human heart. We are seeing that in our time loud and clear. So what Paul says to us is this, we have the responsibility in this crooked and perverse generation to act as children of God and to shine as luminaries or lights in the world. That's God's call on this generation. We have the responsibility in this generation to shine out God's light and be God's light out into the world. Sometimes as in our case, we now more openly manifest, now more openly manifest than we have seen in previous generations. You're watching the power structure of this country being taken over by people who are godless and contrary to scripture. We're coming strong today, all right? We're going to wrap up well. It's easy to become disappointed, especially if you care about righteousness and truth. We cherish personal righteousness, but our culture is deep in personal sin and wickedness, and not in a hidden way, but flaunted. And now we have advocates of that iniquity and wickedness being given political power over us. We cherish marriage, we cherish family, we cherish healthy, life-giving relationships, but our culture, by means of media and law, destroy all three and mark my words if our society keeps heading in the the same direction without a miraculous move of god the true people of god are going to become more and more and more of an unwanted agitator for it was uh, author francis schaeffer uh, who asked this similar question many years back how then shall we live I believe that we have some instruction we need here in these mighty verses of Philippians. But I want us to look at three very simple, kind of yet profound truths, realities to navigate the times that we're living in by asking three questions. Where are we? Whose are we? And how are we to live? Where are we? Well, let's start with that one. Let's look at verse 15. We are in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, all right? Well, so was Philippi. Philippi was a city in northeast Macedonia, or modern Greece. It was a busy city. It was a thoroughfare of, to the world. The Ignatian Highway came through there, and the Roman Road. Uh, and it was a place where much trade went on. It was discovered there, that, uh, as well, that there were many gold mines uh, in and around Philippi. And uh, it attracted this man named Philip of Macedon. He was actually Alexander the Great's father. And um, he, he ends up founding a ta- this small town, uh, it was actually named Crinides, uh, which means little fountain, but he renamed it after himself, Philip, Philippi. So it got this name from Philip, and around 40 years before Christ, in this little fountain town of Philippi, one of the greatest Roman conflicts ever to occur happened there. 110,000 on the side of Antonio and Caesar, and 90,000 on the side of Brutus and Cassius. And it was, uh, it was the battle. when this battle was over, uh, the, the, the Roman Republic became the Roman Empire. And it was a massive transition for Rome. But as a result of that, many soldiers settled in Philippi. It was a rough town, pagan to the bone. And if you were a citizen of Philippi, uh, you were given status as a Roman citizen. It, all, it reflected all the paganism of Rome, all the idolatry. It was crooked and perverse place. And the Lord led the Apostle Paul to establish the first church in Europe in Philippi on a second missionary journey. The believers there were desperately poor. Paul says that they were extravagantly generous, but they gave out of their deep poverty they were literally swimming in a sea of paganism and a coarse and gross culture largely influenced by ex-soldiers. But to make matters worse, the church was attacked also internally by false teachers that sowed division and discord. The only church in the midst of Europe, in the midst of this pagan culture, poor, persecuted, attacked by false teachers, the internal dis- of internal discord and unity within the church. In fact, Paul wrote this letter to them in his fourth year of Roman imprisonment, waiting for Nero to render a verdict on his life. Yet in spite of all those difficulties, Paul writes this epistle, and it's known as the epistle of joy. You're like, man, in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, Paul is saying, I need my church, God needs his church to be a church of joy. Amen? So crooked and perverse; those are words we don't really heard, hear too much. Maybe a crooked politician, we might say that, but uh, crooked and perverse means twisted and distorted. Paul is saying that this generation of people who are twisted in terms of truth and virtue—it is not this—and is not this generation walking in the same path? Does not the people of God have similar obstacles? Well, what may be some of our obstacles? Our society, our nation, our world has gotten back to sort of square one in its crookedness and perversity by systematically eliminating God and morality from the public square for the last 80 years. There's consequences to removing light in a culture, darkness tends to thrive. Eisenhower spoke of the military industrial complex. 1976, 1946. I believe we've seen the flourishing out of our nation building, the medical industrial complex. If you haven't seen uh, the face of that, I'm sure you have over the last two years. Um, it's captured, it's crooked. The people who are there to hold them accountable are captured as well. Censored science is not science. It's not. Censored science is not science, misinformation, and the push to censor misinformation is actually doing more to destroy the scientific community, fact-based, evidence-based, scientific culture that we've kind of created around us. The last two years, again, has done more damage. We have an intelligence apparatus that's corrupt. We have a legacy media, both right and left, that are not telling the full truth, telling half-truths. We have justice advocates fighting to let trans women compete against biological women, which actually brings injustice to the women's sports community, while these same justice advocates completely ignore the concentration camps in China and open slave trade markets in Libya. Woo, we're going, aren't we? We have some obstacles for the advancement of God's truth in this world. But John said this, or Jesus said this in John 17. He says, I'm not asking you that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. He prayed not to have us removed from the world, but be protected in the world while we reach the world. We're exactly where we're supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen, alive and in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You are right where God wants you to be. Where are we? We're in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, and you're his light. Well, we'll get there. Whose are we? Whose are we? I'm moving forward. So where are we? We're in a a crooked generation, all right? Much like every other generation that's gone before us. All right, let's just make that clear. All right, number two, whose are we? Well, that's also in Philippians 2. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We are children of God without blemish, and we are lights in the world. We're not blind children or mere pawns of the enemy. We are children of God. There's a very clear separation to that. As his children, we hear his voice, we know his word, and we obey it. And out of that, we become his representatives, his ambassadors in a different culture than what our home culture is. Not only are we children of God, but he says that we're lights to the world As the sun, moon, and stars are luminaries that light the darkness in creation, in the same way we shine as luminaries in the darkness of Satan's kingdom. You are the shining lights in the darkness of the world. This is where we need to be as children of God and the only source of light in darkness. Isaiah 49 says this, I will make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus came to bring light to the world because he wants to win all the nations back that were handed over at the beginning. The Jews had lost their illumination from God, God's people before Christ. They had lost their illumination to the broader culture, but Caleb made mention of that in her opening prayer. Paul said that his own Jewish people in Romans 2, the truth is, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You say you're light, but your deeds don't demonstrate it. You're just a different form of darkness. (sighs) Wow. Paul is not letting anybody off the hook. (laughs) Anybody off the hook. Let's make sure our light that we have in this generation as people of God, that we aren't beholden to... uh, that. We won't go there. But as followers of Jesus, the Messiah and King said this to his followers, John 5, you are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. You and I are luminaries, God's luminaries, broken, yes, growing, yes, but still his luminaries in this perverse and wicked generation. Do we understand that the gospel of Jesus is the only remedy to the brokenness that we see in our culture? The gospel of Christ really is the only remedy. And we'll try every other solution other than the one God provided. Isn't that, oh man. What brings us to this third and practical response? So we're in the midst of this crooked generation. We're God's people. We're God's light in this generation. But how are we to live? really a question that I think a lot of us think about all the time. How are we to live? Well, I just, just in the form of handles, just reduce it to three, three things, because I can remember three things. I can remember three things on a grocery list. If it gets to be four things on a grocery list, I have to write it down. I'm sorry, kind of my mind, brain, I have got three slots. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a guy type, you know, three, three points. Um, Anyway, Number one, how do we live? We abide. Philippians 2, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, holding fast to God's word. It's, it's about spending time with Him. Not just spending time thinking about him or hearing something about him from somebody else, but it's actually getting in the midst of God's presence yourself. We're so used to letting other people do our digesting. But God wants to feed you straight so that you're getting God's true, straight source, developing this relationship with him. Because out of that, out of his time and his word, You get to know his voice. You eat his word up, thinking through it, allowing it to illuminate how you see God, yourself, and the world around you. God's ways, this is kind of a shock statement right here. God's ways are not the world's ways. Right, right? So the time with him removes those old ways in us, and God builds in us into a bold, courageous men and women that He designed us to be in this generation, there's a battlefield over our mind. The next frontier, in the next frontier, in the next generation, the number one battle will be, through tech, will be over your mind, will be over your mind. What takes up the bandwidth in your brain? And I have found it, I don't know about you, but I have found it over the last 10 years to to get silent or quiet before the Lord is so much harder. I don't know if you've I don't know if you felt this, but what, what kind of drives me crazy is my level, my ability to get distracted in the midst of important moments. And part of how we grow in that is that we stop daily and spend time with Him. It's imperative that we know God's Word and reality in order to be God's light in darkness. We can't settle for shallow end theology, or shallow end kind of ways of thinking. Shallow end, God's drawing us into the deep end so that we can be given an arsenal of revelation in this generation. God gives you wisdom God gives you perspective. God gives you direction. God gives you promises. God gives you power. And every day you wake up is another day that your mind is going to get assaulted by the spiritual battle that we live in. So dig in and be intentional as what fuel you are giving your engine. I want my primary source of fuel to be God and His Word. Number two, so we abide. Number two, we expose. This is interesting. Paul said this in Ephesians 5. It says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Darkness thrives because light has not shined itself on darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light. And I would say, almost every institution in this country is corrupt. It was run by corrupt or extremely incompetent people. Sometimes incompetence can... Seem deliberate. And I, I realized that. And I try, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But it's our job to expose them. Expose their ideas. Expose their, through, our, through our speaking, our writing, our teaching, our posting of people. Or, but more importantly, ideas that run counter to God and his ways. And I, I got to say, I don't think that you feel this. But I, will, but I think, not that I, I'll rephrase. God's Word says that you have the authority of heaven if you're a follower of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Do we arrogantly go out and parade that around? No, it's just that we walk and function with a level of authority from our home country, from our king, from our kingdom. And we're pulling that into this world, and we're expressing it as he sees fit. But I'm so appreciative. I'm so appreciative of people who stand in this space and expose. I appreciate Dr. Jeff Childers of COVID and coffee, tackling issues of government tyranny, overreach, and bodily sovereignty. I appreciate doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, who's been getting a lot of hype lately because of Joe Rogan. But I appreciate their boldness as well. I appreciate uh, Scott David Allen, why social justice is not biblical justice, and trying to figure out what what does this mean to live in a society of what is justice. And I think that a lot of us, I think that our core heart is for that. But I think sometimes... From the culture that we're given, we're given extra language, we're given extra things that seem, to, that seem to allow no forgiveness, that seem to allow no restitution. And so it's like, well, in, in a just world, there has to be forgiveness, there has to be restitution, and so it's like, as, as God's people, do we participate in the conversation? Do we participate in the conversation of like, man, what does racial justice look like? What, what, how does God view race and us get actually being able to get in there? It's that no, no subject should be off the table because of our cultural pressure not to have an opinion that's counter to the world. As God's people, we have to put it all on the table to say, God, what's truth? What's true? Man, this is what I'm seeing. Well, I'm seeing a little something different. What's true? When you have uh, the media, pro- media propaganda machine, which is not going away, by the way, it will continue to try to prop- propagandize you, manipulate you, stir your emotions. But as God's people in the midst of this culture, you and I have to live above the seeded drama within our society and live with God's perspective of like, Man, uh, when, it, when it comes to all this, especially these subjects that are politicized now, our goal is not to take a side. Our goal is to be on the side of truth. And it's not, we're not beholden to a political party, for crying out loud. I mean, do you not see that that's a false dichotomy perpetrated by our society onto us, to just have two choices? Ooh, come on now. Now we're talking. All right. And again, it isn't right or left. It's about truth versus lies. It's about good versus evil. And as a believer, you have to live above the games and the false dichotomies and the illusions that are put before the common people. Whew, now we're getting on. And that's how my own journey is. I'm not accurate all the time, okay? Uh, But I, I, I love putting things on the table, dialoguing about it, exposing it, expose maybe some possible corruption or some tyranny, to advance truth and the cause and the message of the kingdom and its king. No subject should be off limits, but the goal should be to discover and uncover truth. And God is raising up a whole new generation. That's you that will be lovers of God and lovers of people and allow God to use them as bold, powerful, and truth-centered conduits for his gospel and truth. And that's why this this last step is key. We abide, we expose But if we spend too much time in that expose, you get jaded, you get twisted. Something happens to your spirit that disconnects you from being able to actually minister. And so, we also need this third step, the most important, which is build. Build. Abide, expose, and build. Philippians 2 says, 2.13 says, It is God who is at work within you both to will and to work for his good pleasure man that's good news that means God's on your side that means God's in your corner that means you might be rocky and Jesus is like Mick in the corner come on no it's a little more than that but God desires to build his kingdom through your life his desire to build it through your life is greater than yours oh I thank God for that impacting people in the good works he's prepared in advance for you to walk in so what is it, what do we, how do we build? Well, it's it's not the big and sexy that we think it is. It's the slow, daily, monotonous choice that we have to be God's people in the midst of a first generation. So that means walking with character. Walking with character does more to change a marriage, a parenting-child relationship, walking with character changes a work environment. It is. Somebody who has high character changes that office in which they work. It changes the home in which they live. It creates an environment around their life of integrity. We can't underestimate the power of walking in character. Or how about being confident in God? There's so many people that are insecure as to who they are, what they're here for, but here we have a relationship with Jesus that gives us those answers and meets those needs. It's walking confident in God. It's being an encouragement to others. Again, it's these small little acts, but it's if we incorporate them into our life, we actually start building consistently, regularly, daily, being an encouragement to others, speaking truth to others. That can be hard, but with done with a love of care and And just like, man, I really need to tell you the truth here. It's having healthy relationships, marriages, and families, and doing what it takes to make those strong. The witness of a strong marriage and family is tremendous to a world that's broken, hurting, disjointed. Teaching our children and the next generation the ways of God. It's very easy to understand that only a couple generations can go by for it to be completely different culture, completely different, and there's been some things that we were lost. I mean, uh, because of the snowstorm last week, my wife and I were talking about uh, our power kind of goes out once every year, and so we kind of have to you know get the fire going on and get the blankets on the windows and kind of camp out uh, in the room and um, uh, it was it was just. Interesting of how uh, we were talking about how the, the knowledge of like farming, the knowledge of like having a self-sustained kind of life, it's like, man, we, we've lost that knowledge. I'm, I'm sure I could call my uncle, who's kind of lived out on the farm, and I'm sure I could reference some people, but me actually having this knowledge, man, that's passed away, because of our modern modern world, we don't, just don't need to retain that information anymore. But it's passing on what needs to be passed on for the next generation. And it's passing on the whole book. Not an edited version because of the cultural pressures and that's what you're handing to the next generation. It is. This is God's word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will never fail, never fall away, never change. We cannot underestimate the power of a faithful life. The rippling impact of a life lived on fire for God is immeasurable. And I'll remind us that this is a spiritual battle. So Paul even says, stop grumbling and complaining. Man, I love those words. And it's like, man, just live blamelessly. Live blamelessly. Stop grumbling complaining. Live blamelessly. The fact of the matter is it's going to require that we give our lives and our everything to God for this generation. Think about, our, think about your grandkids or the people in the future, of the people who would look back at this time in history, two or three generations later, what will they say? Will we have dropped the baton, letting them down? Did we reject or ignore the call of God on our day? Will they shake their fists at us for what we left them? Or will they thank God for us? Will they build on the bricks that we put down in this generation? Will they experience the kingdom of God on earth in ways that we could only imagine? But it's time for us to make a clear declaration in heaven and on earth that you are the Lord's full-time 24-7, that we live to know Him deeply, whom we follow and obey, and to lay down our lives for others by being bold, courageous men and women of God who abide, who expose, who build. And you are going to need all the strength and wisdom that God can provide to accomplish this in our life don't we we need his wisdom we need his perspective so with that if i have any more thoughts before we pray i hope we can see the kind of sobering moment that we're in as a culture and uh, whether it's god been getting your attention more and more lately but I think that there needs to come like a sobering moment on us of like, God, I'm gonna respond to the call of you on this generation. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in 100%. I'm not gonna p- ride the fence and kind of go halfway in, halfway. When things get tense, I'll kind of bend. But when things are kind of good, man, I'll, I'll really lean into the Lord. God wants all of us. God wants all of you and, um, and I think just kind of in this moment, it really comes down to just making a declaration in your heart, like, God, I'm yours. And, uh, you know, part of relationships and part of getting to truth, especially in culture, is that it takes some conversations and it takes some just kind of like, man, I could be wrong. A, a, a little level of humility as we, as we seek out truth and we seek to build God's kingdom. So with that, let me just pray for us and we'll Um, I have a little declaration uh, at the end that I'd like us to uh, declare together, but uh, before we get there, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you just for your word, and I thank you for this call on this generation, on us, that you have assembled your people to hear your word and to be sent out into the world to be lights into the world. God, I pray that you would anchor us in your word, that we would abide well with you, that we would be abiders, that we would be ones that love being around Jesus, your son. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your spirit that guides us in your word. Lord God, pray for courage. God, I just pray for courage over us. Courage to be the people that you've made us to be. Courage to carry your word and truth into a perverse and twisted generation. God, courage, God, to speak up when, God, everything around us should say, no, don't say anything. You'll mess it up. Father, we resist that voice in the name of Jesus. God, we behold ourselves to your word and your voice in our lives. God, when you prompt us to say something, God, we're going to act. God, when you prompt us to pray for another person, God, we're going to act. God, when you prompt us to get in your word, to, to, to throw just put everything aside to get with you, God, we are going to act. God, I pray that we would just have a, uh, just a conviction deep down in our soul that, God, we will be your people no matter what in this generation. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. And God, if there's any of us here, God, that is yet to surrender like 100%. God, we may have been kind of playing games with you, may have grown up in church, we may have kind of, but God, we know that you don't have all of our heart. God, I pray right now that you'd give us the faith to say, God, I'm all yours. God, 100%. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding on to my ways. I'm not holding on to my plans. God, I want to be your man, your woman in this hour. And God, I'm not going to play games with distractions, with things that aren't of you. Father, I give those to you right now. And God, I pray that in its place, God, you'd give us your Holy Spirit to fill it. Fill that place in our hearts, fill that place in our minds. God, if there's a lie there, replace it with your truth. Father, we want to be your people in this generation. And the last little word I just felt the Lord just say is like, You're made for this. (laughs) You're made for this. All the kind of disgruntled part of kind of that American Christianity that you've been kind of like frustrated with. All right, yes and amen to that. Now let's get going. Now let's be his church. Now let's love others like Jesus would. Now let's reach out and pray and engage people and the tasks that God has given us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's, let's do this little declaration. I'm going to have you read it first. I'll read it to you first. And if you're like, hey, that's me, I'd like to say yes and amen to that. Well, then go ahead and uh, let's all just stand up as we kind of declare this, but I'll read it. Father God, I give you all of me for all of you. Today I'm trading in my ways for your ways, and I declare that I am yours. Teach me and train me to be to be one who shines as a light in this crooked and perverse generation. As we hold fast to you and your word, work in us for your good pleasure. Amen. All right. So if you're like, mmm, that's got some sauce on it. Come on, let's go. All right, ready? Let's go. Father God, I give you all of me for all of you. Today I'm trading in my ways for your ways, and I declare that I am yours. Teach me and train me to be the one who shines as a light in this crooked and perverse generation. As we hold fast to you and your word, work in us for your good pleasure. Amen. Amen, y'all. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.